one user gave into the darkness and reviewed us on iTunes. Luckily for them, it was a five-star review. Minion, read a selection for them. All right, all right, all right, I got it. This is from user pig, maybe P-I-G, but they write, I have to say, I'm really impressed with these guys. Smart, funny, and topical. I think there's a lot to be said about PBP gaming, and I look forward to the months or years to come in listening to them talk about my favorite hobby. Thank you, Notorious P.I.G. You are our first review. If you also would like a review read, you can submit it to iTunes. Is that good enough? Yes, it is sufficient for now. Great. Then let's get on with the show. Welcome. Welcome back to the stage of destiny. Oh wait, are we are we in Kingdom Hearts now? I thought I, we were. I, oh. yeah, I think it might have been. I think I'm thinking of Soul Calibur, but <laughs> Soul Calibur. <laughs> Mitsudugi is wounded, but the soul still burns. Ah, oh, I hate your voice. And by that I mean I love it. Yeah, my I wife says you. the same thing all the time. <laughs> if you, our faithful li- long-time listeners, haven't already realized it, you're listening to RPGX Radio. And shame on you for making such a poor decision. <laughs> I'm Simmy, and my co-host, as, well, for this week anyway, is... <laughs> it's King Monkey, for a change. Woo! I know yep, who I am. Mixing things up. I have a name mixing tag. Mixing things up. <laughs> And we are talking this week about joining a play-by-post game. Okay, one second though. I just, I just need to get something out of the way here. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, we're good. (laughs) Sorry, listeners, I did not have a can this week, so you had to listen to me fumble with a bottle opener on the other side of my microphone. (laughs) Our regularly scheduled carbonation. A regularly scheduled interruption. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'll be good. But before we get into today's topic, which is how you go about finding a game, mm-hmm. why don't you tell us, King Monkey, about a game idea that you've either wanted to play in or wanted to run that you haven't yet for whatever reason? One I all I one I've wanted to do for quite a long time is a courtly intrigue one where you the players would each run a character who's not necessarily like a a master swordsman or a sorcerer or anything but people who have political power and have some kind of you know machiavellian scheming in order to try and seize the throne or the place behind the throne that's the kind oh. of thing that i would love to do get into economics and politics in a game that's interesting because it was a game like that that brought me to RPG Crossing initially. Yeah. Yeah, I found an advert for it somewhere else and I followed the links back and ended up making a profile because there was a game like that. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I I would I would love to be able to do something like that. It kind of eschews the normal mechanic of, you know, combat loot. You know, you'd you'd focus a lot more on the the dice roll in social type situations or just straight up role play, I think. And is that what draws you to it or is there something else that makes you interested in that i mean i tend to lean in rp heavy versus die rolling games myself but 
Mm. Yeah, I think it's just sort of the the idea of a game more elevated than my normal type. You know what I mean? Okay. Something yeah. that feels a bit more, you know, it's kind of like cheating. It feels a bit more intelligent, even though it's <laughs> it's really just slapping a new coat of paint on the same old thing. Yeah. Instead of, instead of warfare, you're doing economic warfare. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very cool. One that I've always thought would be a cool idea, because it's something people usually, I see, try and do, mm-hmm. is where you play like an old character at level one. But my idea would, instead of being like, oh, I'm a 60-year-old who's just now stepping out into the uh, adventuring world, right. more go with, words are failing, a, a person who has adventured their whole life, but then for whatever reason, they are now an old person with all that experience, but starting over. Oh, so it's like, the sheriff who's hung up his guns and how, now has to pick them up one last time. He's rusty. He has the instincts, but the body doesn't do what it used to. Yeah, that or even, I, I've even kind of taken it to a the main bad guy that they thought they beat all that time ago right. rewinds time, but they still hold on to all their power and experience. Yeah. It just, it's harder to harness in a body that's not built for it yet. So you got to deal with, instead of dealing with, I got to get stronger so I can beat the bad guy. You got to deal with, I've got to strengthen my body to be able to handle the stuff that I can do and balance making some of these changes to Mm -hmm. history. Right. Yeah. That's a cool idea. I like that. It, it it's a hard like one a, to pull out. It's almost like Quantum Leap the D&D, right? Yes, writing the things that went, that were went wrong. That once went wrong, yeah. That's it, yes. Oh, boy. I, I wanted to say it, and then I was like, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah. Right on. So, Quantum Leap and people behind the throne. So, we have two ideas. I don't know if the two of them would work together, though. Oh, leap back in time from a point where the king has already gone mad and entered into a pact with the dark powers leading to the ruin of his kingdom. You've used that energy to jump back into the past into your previous bodies, but you don't know how it all came about. So now you got a scheme in order to wrest control of uh, of the throne in order to yes. prevent the apocalypse. Yes, and everyone comes back with their own agenda, ultimately mm. trying to take power or guide power to certain places. And right. then you get all these cross purpose. Yeah, it could be a lot of fun. And you could even have it set up so that you don't know who has been sent back. Either that or everybody, either that or it's like the heads of the major houses were sent back and they all know that, you know, each one of them is there, but they also recognize that there is ultimative, uh, what's that word? Ultimative. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Ulterior motives going on. (laughs) Ultimative. Yeah, it's the ultimate tomato. Yeah. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) Well, with that amazing word that we've just been introduced to, we're going to jump into It's a Verb's Random Verb of the Week. And I need to interrupt you right there because it's been preying on my mind like a sliver oh, no. ever since last time we recorded when you asked me and the word was crush. And the problem I ran into is it's such a simple word that I, it, I got analysis paralysis where there are just too many options. I find <laughs> it's easier if I get a hard one. So I'm okay. hoping to get a slightly harder one. Albeit a word that I still know. Okay. I have an option to change the number of syllables it generates. Give it a shot. Let's see what we can come up with. Well, here's the one that comes up right now. Right. Eliminate. Oh, it's easy. The quantum leap party had to return to the past to eliminate the king before he could destroy everything. Ah, man. It works out right. We should do that again. (laughs) (laughs) It's better when you struggle. 
I struggled pretty hard last time, so this week is just making up for it. I felt like an idiot. It's like crush. That's what was going. I know nothing came out of my mouth, but my brain was like, "There's just too much." I have or, too many orange options. Orange crush. Well, you know, you know what? I I I applaud you, your your ability to think so far ahead because. As you know, you just set us up perfectly for our first topic for this I'm a, I'm month. I'm a forward thinker. <laughs> yeah, and, and I know you did it exactly on purpose for exactly this reason. You know I don't leave this sort of thing to chance. Come on. <laughs> because today we are talking and expanding upon how you go about finding a game, not only on the site, but for you specifically as a player, and that's this is the... The royal you, everyone you, yep. rather than just you specifically, King Monkey. Right, which still applies as a royal you. <laughs> but how you go about picking a game mm-hmm. for yourself. And I'll throw in some of my two cents and we'll kind of bat some of that around. So why don't you just start with what it is you're looking for when you're looking through either the game-seeking players area or anything like that? Um, well, the first thing that I will look for is to see that it's a system that I know. Uh, it's immediately okay. going to eliminate a number of options. And the pool of role-playing games that I actually know is pretty small. So if it's not in one of the, the few systems I know, it's immediately eliminated from consideration. Hmm. So you won't even consider it? If it's if it means learning a new system, no, I'm afraid not. Hmm. Interesting. Because I, I kind of scoured through some of the... And I, I say scoured, but really I looked for two specific things and came up with a couple extra. I thought you were going to say look for two seconds. <laughs> I mean, also, I yes. seconds scouring <laughs> the forums for information. Entire seconds looking for a very specific Lost thing that I knew of seconds that you were that already you were existed. And mm-hmm. so then I went through and found it. And one of the things that was put in as advice mm-hmm. was to not look at system because okay. that is one of those things that you can learn a new system, but if the story sucks, you can't you know, fix the story. Right. The mechanics won't, uh, won't fix the narrative. Sure. I can see that approach as well. So it, yeah, it, it's, this is one of those places where it's definitely not one size fits all for you. It probably comes down to, I imagine time, right? Time and energy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I yeah. mean, not only mine, but the way I look at it, if I know that I'm going to be completely at sea with the system, I'd rather not burden a DM with having to hold my hand throughout it. Mm. Kind of, you know what I mean? Okay. So so maybe if you thought it was a simpler system or a DM sort of led system, maybe even, then then you might be a little more open to the idea. But your first yeah. thing to tick off, if you see a system that you don't know, you're probably going to move on. Yeah, I'm going to lean more heavily, at least, towards the ones that I already know. I okay. Mean, other than that, if I happen to see a title that jumps out at me in some kind of, you know, sort of fantastic fashion, then maybe I might give it a look. But uh, otherwise, no. Okay. Interesting. For me, when I see a system I know, Mm -hmm. I tend to look down at whatever mechanics blurb they have set up. So for like Pathfinder and uh, D&D, it'll be what level, what Mm -hmm. things are they allowing, all that kind of stuff. Because if that stuff doesn't interest me, then I definitely won't like, you know, I'd stay away from level one games 
almost exclusively at this point because I am yeah. so sick of being that first level adventurer who never goes anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I can see how that's more of an issue in play by post where the, mm-hmm. the rate of advancement is much slower and you would feel like you're perennially the the sort of low man on the totem pole. I can see that as an issue for sure. I mean, there are really cool stories to be told about the level one character, you know. Oh, for sure. But I'm just tired of telling them at this point. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Eventually, you want to be the badass that's doling right. out the, the meteor swarms and stuff, right? And and that's one of the unfortunate things about play-by-post just in general is, mm-hmm. yes, you can get into long-lasting games that level up, but generally... The games won't be like that, yeah, unfortunately. They, those ones would tend to be the exception, for sure. Right. Which which they're great to, to hope for, but mm-hmm. you're not always going to hit them. So starting at level five, for example, it's a bit of a like a jump start. Yeah. Oh, and you also, because I never, in most systems that I know offhand, as a level one character, I never feel like the character that I've envisioned. So if I, you know, yeah. planned a, a spy master, someone who's infiltrate an infiltrator that kind of stuff i never seem to be able to have the actual tools to get that yeah you're just starting off as like an intern in the spy office exactly and 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 let me tell you i worked 12 years in that entry level yeah you're getting paid in real life yeah yeah. (laughs) you're getting paid in exposure and it's like you know what as a spy exposure is not what you need it's not what you want right exactly and and so i just i like to have yeah some of my tools in my belt already so that way i can be like oh yeah well i'm i can blend into shadows over here and i can mm-hmm. have a skill to climb this building when i need to i'm not gonna risk accidentally falling off the roof when i rip my background as a roof runner you yeah. know <laughs> yeah for exa- i get it i get it yeah so after system for me i tend to look at the setting itself whether i once i've decided if i can or cannot do a system, whether it's new or old, I tend to look at the setting they're working with, whether it's, oh, we're going to use Feyrun, or we're going to use this future modern setting, or we're going to use sci-fi, you know, any of that kind of stuff. What mm-hmm. sort of things do you look for in a setting that engage you? I'm kind of, I've played so many homebrew games throughout my life that honestly, if I see something in a published setting, I'm a little bit more hesitant to jump in. I don't want to play in Eberron if I know nothing about the the world other than the fact it's named after a Chevy Corvair. You know, I don't... (laughs) It just feels like there's an onus on me to learn a lot more about an existing system or existing setting, you know? Whereas a homebrews tend not to have that depth to them, so it's a bit easier to grasp a greater quantity of the written uh, information about it. So then, if you run into a homebrew setting that does have a ton of extra information do you see that as off-putting for you or is that something that interests you because it's unique i you know what i guess that's going to be a writing question like reading the first page of a novel and see Mm. how quickly it hooks you you know i mean i also won't discount entirely a published setting you know It's, it's at this point we're getting out of the hardline rules of can i play it or can i not play it now it's more of a subjective examination of what they put out there exactly i mean none none of this really is hardline i mean mm-hmm. even a new system isn't necessarily a no for you it's just it more depends a lot to be. yeah yeah it whereas we, we get into setting then you're you're running into more of 
okay, this is what they're trying to do with it. I like this idea. Or they yeah. put the word Eberron or they put the word Galarian in there. And I know I don't want to learn all that. So we're going to kind of look elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm going to say Galarian, more like my eyes glaze over. You know, it's kind of a thing where I'm going to look at the setting and the plot hook uh, sort of side by side and see whether the two of them equal a positive or a negative. Well, look at you leading us into our next bit. Who's a smart guy over here, huh? Yeah, I don't know. Who's helping you? (laughs) Who's got the cue cards One of my kids is pointing at the screen. (laughs) So so tell me about me. So tell me about the kinds of hooks that draw you in, whether it be the the actual content of the hook or the way the hook is presented? Probably the way it's presented because the content of the hook is a pretty broad category. Um, other than strict dungeon crawls, I'm down for most story types. So I'd be, yeah, I'd be willing to look for, you know, is it a political-based exploration? Is it war-themed? Any number of uh, any number of that sort of uh, hook is fine. So I guess it's how well the uh, the prospective DM can can sell it. So for you, it's more about does it kind of excite you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you say? I'm I'm a, like I'm a, I'm a fluff player, right? It's all about the the storytelling and the RP for me. So at this point, I'm looking for someone who's going to engage my imagination right away with something either uh, new that I haven't thought of before or someone who's able to put a new twist on something I've done before or someone who's just able to write a really compelling uh, reason to do the same old dungeon crawl. You know what I mean? So so the way it's presented and, and the level of excitement it inspires in you, you're saying play into it? Yeah, I mean, it's like any advertisement, right? If you just show a picture of a product, it's one thing that's fine but then you get an old spice commercial where they're able to build up this huge thing around it you know give me mm. something engaging to to look at to sort of fuel my consideration okay all righty and and when it comes to setting and the plot hook itself does the amount of text in that first in the opening post does that play a role in it at all like if you scroll through it and you see there's what equates to, you know, yeah, a ton of pages of stuff. Does that ever excite you more or put you off or where yeah, you fall Again, that? that's going to be kind of a subjective thing because there have been times when I look at uh, just a wall of text and read a few words at the top here and there and it's just like, oh, no, my eyes are glazing over. So, yeah, at that point, it's going to be subjective and based on whatever is actually written there. Okay. So you might start reading just to see if it hooks you and then find you re- self reading eight pages or you might see three paragraphs start reading and be like well i nope. have zero interest <laughs> yeah yeah no <laughs> it, that one's going to that one's going to be very uh i don't have a hard and fast rule about the size of a post or anything like that i mean hmm. i'd say okay. if it's massive uh, maybe less likely but it can easily be salvaged with some with some decent writing maybe you see something real big you you're a little more skeptical to start but you don't necessarily immediately discount them. Right. Uh, I will also put a caveat out there that if I happen to be browsing it on my phone, a mm. large one is going to be less enticing to read just because it's not as comfortable a physical setup. Mm. Uh, that makes if, sense. I don't know if that's worth as a consideration. Maybe just put like uh, the, the TLDR version in a spoiler tag near the top <laughs> or something. I don't know. Say, if you're on your phone, click here. 
I do often find that when I run into a wall of text for either a setting or a hook, or like sometimes people use those scenes that start things up right. as their hook. And sometimes if they're really long, if I get down and they say, here's the general premise, and that excites me, then I'll go back and read it. But I will sometimes glaze over and just move on because like, oh, it's, it's too much and I don't want to waste their time and I don't want them to waste mine. Yeah, sort of skipping the flavor text, get to the meat, and then jump back mm-hmm. and see, okay, well, maybe you'll look at the dressing. Yeah, because I, I think, sort of like you, I start with the system, but I also have, like, a in my mind, a list of systems that I'm interested or that sound interesting, or I'll look at one and be like, okay, mm-hmm. that's a system based on this. Okay, let me check it out. But then my usual first thing I look for next is a block about the mechanics, like I talked about earlier, because if it's a Pathfinder game... And the hook is great. I don't want to be disappointed by getting down and seeing level one, core only, yeah. and you all must be human. And I'm like, well, I'm out, 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 out. Yeah. You know? Sure. So so for me, I hit the system, then I jump down and I find the mechanics, especially if it's a game I know, to see if the mechanics of it interest me. And then I try and kind of hook myself by looking at the hook and the setting. Although I would say, if would I would ask, I guess... Do you think there is some way that a prospective DM could entice you to play level one core rulebook only humans campaign? What would it take for them to make you sort of tread on unhallowed ground like that? Well, I've had two people tempt me with it. One actually got me in and then life happened and that game fell apart, which was real sad. Uh, But Capera actually had a game. She said she was interested in, in having me apply. Okay. And I, I was like, you know what? You might be one of the few people who could get me because I know what her writing style is already like because I've right. played with her before. So I think in that case, it takes me trusting the DM or the GM or storyteller. Which to... would come with experience and just sort of time on the site, I guess. Exactly. So so with that, it, it takes a personal connection for me to be able to take that step over what I've already imposed as a, this is my limit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, also that would, uh, yeah, spending time on the site, seeing people's interactions, get to know them, or you could even go over to the Discord and find out specifically which DMs you don't want to play with. Definitely. Because the way a person reacts, even just to everyday life, can give you a lot of information sure. about how they play in a game or about how they're going to react when things get difficult in the game itself. Yeah, yeah. So what about for you? I, I, do mechanics ever play like the way a game is going to run? Do those ever play a role in whether you decide to play a game or not? I would say not. Generally speaking, I'm trying to approach things as more of a writing exercise. So mm-hmm. if I do see, uh, you know, level one core rulebook only human campaign, then that's sort of like an exercise in trying to get as much out of that very specific premise as I can. Okay. For me, that's a question of, okay, so he's a level one human, but where is he from? Why is he a level one human in this campaign? And to me, that's less of a turnoff because I can use that to sort of fuel something. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so you kind of, it's almost like you get a prompt and here's the yeah. limits and you you kind of enjoy the act yeah. of trying to find a way to make it all work together. Yeah. You know, they say like in movie making, when you have an unlimited budget, you're going to just do everything because you can. And it's not necessarily going to make a good a good or better movie. 
Whereas when you have a limited budget, you work harder to try and make as much out of you can with the little you've got. And sometimes that yields a better result. So it's like if you give me, or let's say if I give you any character, you can make something imaginative and imaginative and fun. But if someone actually challenges you to make that level one human, you know, it takes a little bit more effort, which can get your creative juices flowing. And you might come up with something uh, surprising, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I could definitely agree with that. And I've experienced it even since we started doing the podcast because the adventure assemble thing is something that we do in in the moment determine whatever random piece of at the, at each part and so we're kind of crafting the story in that moment based on those limits and knowing that we have to channel things through these certain areas creates the story and we have to kind of come up with all that so yeah i i definitely can i definitely can see that i i wouldn't want to say better but maybe more satisfying knowing that you can operate under constraints you know yes well and sometimes I, like you were, you and I were talking about earlier, the the choice paralysis can really mess us up. Yeah, you know, sure. having having everything as an option can sometimes make you feel like you have zero ideas because yeah. it's yeah. all available. Like I, I for example, I w- I was the worst person to bring to uh, Blockbuster back in the day. When you have a wall of hundreds of movies, I was there for hours, and they're like, Jesus Christ, just pick a movie already. <laughs> you know, just, it's just too much option. If I don't already have something in mind, that is. But mm-hmm. that's a topic for another day, whether you're going to bring a pre-made character to a, to a campaign. It, that is definitely a topic for another day. <laughs> Someone's reading ahead. What? <laughs> and And the last thing... I think really that we would cover when you're looking for a game and and this is just kind of a a thing that I never even thought to look at was, do you ever look at the number of people who have already applied or expressing interest in a game and let that kind of weigh anywhere on there? Yes, I do. I do. Um, Because oftentimes a DM will set up a little table with all their applicants application in progress accepted uh you know like a chart and if i see 20 odd players already applying i am probably less likely to Hmm. uh, apply to that however i do sometimes look through just to see what else is being proposed sometimes because i don't want to create a redundancy that the dm is going to have to eliminate and Hmm. other times because i want to get an idea of which one of them has a backstory that i can sort of embellish on or use parts of to create my character okay interesting see i'm the opposite there i i tend to i'll look at it but it never impacts whether i'm going to apply to a game or not if i see a game that has three applicants but it's super exciting to me Mm -hmm. i'm gonna throw my hat in the ring and i'm gonna try and drum up interest to get more people to apply so that there is a good pool of people to pull from if i see one that has 20 applicants but it interests me i'm eventually going to look at what everyone has already made, but I'm going to come up with my character first and not worry necessarily about stepping on toes as much. The only exception to that is if I'm making something for a game Mm -hmm. that I've been recruited specifically for. So if someone from the discord says, Hey, I'm putting this game together. Would you like to play? Yeah. I'll talk to whoever's already playing something and say, Hey, what are you thinking? What are you planning? That way I don't step on your toes. Otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm out for me and then the story and then everybody else. So it seems like between the two of us, we're sort of falling on almost either side of the subject each time, each one, each one of these points. <laughs> which, which is great, and I can honestly say is not planned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
probably because you're so old and I'm so young. Yeah, you're just like a, <laughs> you're practically a baby while I've got two feet in the grave. <laughs> Only two feet? Ooh, well, I, I would have gone there. a little further. I'm getting there. Now, a lot of these points were addressed in some of the, uh, the things I found on the site, mm-hmm. but there was one piece that I thought really covers the most important question. And it is weird because it comes at the very end of everything, like do all these data points, check them off. And then like almost the last thing it says is, could you have fun in this game? And I feel like that should be your first question every time, no matter what you're looking for. Like, yeah, you can you can eliminate stuff. But as you consider Mm. a game, yeah, could you have fun playing a character in this game? And if the answer is no, doesn't matter if it's, you know, move on your favorite setting your favorite system at the levels you want it's got a character you've got a character you want to play it doesn't matter what all pieces you have if you're not gonna have fun doing it why do it yeah yeah for sure yeah that's true i mean there will be other games oh yeah and i I think we mentioned this last time but the other thing i would look at is the expected posting rate of course yeah Yeah. definitely again me being tending to be the the slower one i don't want to bog down a game that's getting a post a day if i'm only going to be able to post twice a week you know (laughs) something i've 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 done i haven't done it lately but Mm -hmm. i was doing for a while when i was looking at games was if something says expected posting rate three per week i'll sometimes send a pm to the the game master and say I don't know if you've played games on this site much before. That's a that's a lot. And I want to make sure that you're actually expecting that or if you're just kind of hoping for that. Yeah. And have a conversation with them because like when I first ran a game, that's sort of what I aim for and I'm like that's ridiculous now. That's, yeah. That's an awful lot of time you're asking for from me. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm not getting my paychecks from from RPG Crossing regularly these days. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah they stopped to... sending me that check. Yeah. So I don't <laughs> want to invest that much time until I get my money birched. <laughs> exactly. You send us that check, we'll say whatever you want. That's exactly Till then, right. we're off the hook! Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Just And just to clarify things, we are willing to shill, birched. I mean... Oh, man, yes. Oh, a little bit of money, and we will be in your pocket. Yeah, you can write dialogue, dude. I will. <laughs> I will say whatever you want. <laughs> He's so <laughs> handsome. <laughs> Don't give it away for free, man. Don't oh, well, give it away for free. Yeah, I was just trying to... Just the, the, more of this kind of thing is what you could expect for the right price. First taste is free. That's it. That's it. <laughs> well, as I, as I sort of alluded to, mm-hmm. we are going to segue into... Adventure Assemble! To assemble an adventure, I, I I assume. Yes, where we slowly build a adventure. <laughs> assemble, if you will. <laughs> well yeah, done. We, we take pieces <laughs> randomly <laughs> determined throughout a month, and what's another word for put together? Assemble them assemble. into a, a type of story, maybe compile. an adventure, if you we will. Compile them. Yes. Right. Yes, we put together, we compile a story. Mm-hmm. Through random chance, and we had some a lot of fun with it last time. <laughs> it got it went it went a very interesting direction. I'm I'm interested to see what comes up next. So, do you have your dice on you, King Monkey? I'm good. 
So do you have your dice? Yes, I got them. I got them. Oh, okay. Okay. I wasn't oh, sure. No. I he- I heard some I heard some what sounded like Morse code, but I I wasn't sure. So I wanted to make sure. Sorry, I was responding in Morse code. Was that not clear? <laughs> All right. Keep it in mind. All right. I need you to give me two d6 rolls. Four and a one. That equals five. Okay, four. We are in the hills for no, this I first said, part. Oh my god! And then me. a one. We are in the barren hills. Oh wait, sorry. The what hills and then the barren hills? No, well, no. We are in barren hills. So the first one gives me a general oh. type of terrain. The second one kind of okay specifies it a little that. more. Yeah, it's it's actually built to the the tables I'm pulling from actually have you roll for how many hexes it covers and all that. I'm like, eh, whatever. You're I've right. got one through six on two different tables. Mm-hmm. Last time, I think we ended up with plains and forest. So forest. So, yeah. yeah. So this time we've got barren hills. Barren hills. Barren hills. And barren that makes me... hills. Like barren? <laughs> a barren? Like a just lower than a duke? No. 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 Oh, it it actually makes me think of a... I can't remember the name of the book. Oh, but it's it's about this place that's all desert essentially. Okay. And the highest most revered people are water mages of some kind where they're able to pull water up and make it rain and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so and, not dune, which is where I thought you were going. No, not dune. Not but dark. But similar kind of thing where you've got, sure. you know, hills of nothingness. Okay. Hmm. But we'll kind of we I guess we can let that simmer a little bit. We'll let it simmy. Oh, oh, wait, wait. No, no. Because we gotta, we gotta, I gotta go to my other one, low hills. Yes, we'll go to low hills. So what's going on in these barren hills? Uh, roll me a d twenty. Four again. Nothing if not consistent. You are rolling nothing but low rolls. <laughs> yeah. That really sucks because I gotta go to another chart again. I feel like that's my whole life. Chart thirteen for that one. Chart thirteen. Okay. All right. Roll me another d twenty. Eleven. It's a high roll for me. The Dwarven Goldsmith has a quest. Ooh. Hm. What What is the Dwarven Goldsmith asking Edric the Bard to do this time? <laughs> You're going to keep running Edric the Bard through these things? Uh, until he's dead. You're going to run him into the <laughs> ground. <laughs> Mental note, kill Edric the Bard. I mean, I'm sure the joke is dead, but the character <laughs> still lingers, so we have to get rid of him. <laughs> so we've got Baron Hills, and we have a Dwarven Goldsmith in these barren hills, whether all the dwarves are out there. I mean, hill dwarves, right? Hill dwarves are a thing in 5th edition, yeah? Maybe. I, I mean, I I think hill dwarves have always been a thing, haven't they? Um, I don't know. The mountain dwarves are sort of like the more uh, popular, I guess, famous sort of things, Lord of the Rings style, but hill dwarves. Right, and a dwarven goldsmith kind of makes you think of that initially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what is his quest for me, I wonder? I'm not sure. Although Ooh. maybe... I guess one way we could go with it, he could he doesn't necessarily have to be from the Barren Hills. He could have been part of a caravan that was passing through right. and somehow got left. He was particularly unpleasant even by dwarven standards, and they decided, you know what, we're better off without him. And in the middle could of the be. night they packed up the entire caravan and they left him alone. Yeah, maybe he had maybe he had an apprentice mm-hmm. who they decided was good enough and they could get rid of him finally. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had controversial views, and they were like, "You know what? We're done. We're done with you. 
you you are bringing politics in again. We are in a barren, hilly land. Stop bringing politics into everything, King Monkey. I'm just saying they weren't always barren, and maybe if we'd managed to land more appropriately. Oh my gosh, we need to sign off real quick before you get more political. All right, I'm being stifled by the man. That's right, the man is keeping you down. And all the rest of you, get up, go out, find a game, and we will see you next week. Everybody I'm Simmy. get on up, and I'm King Monkey. Presumably. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye-bye. So you can beep beep like a sheep, I see, but is that all you can do?